All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 206. Jason Lingren is with me and back. Uh, last time he was with us was a smash hit. Episode 148 is Cal Washington from the Empower Movement. Uh, we're going to freehand this whole episode. We drew no notes because we realized that Cal's probably inundated under the new crazy that's taken over our world. And people have questions, uh, follow up about 148 episodes, like whatever happened with the queen, things like this. But welcome, Jason. Good morning, Crow. I'm confident that we are so many episodes in the front that there's really no reason to add anything to an intro, is there? Well, I'm enjoying the new normal. How about you? Yeah, I'm not accepting the new normal. The only contagion I see is fear. Uh, But let's jump right into it. Welcome, Cal. Good morning. How are you guys? Uh, we're great, man. Good to catch up with you. Um, I haven't seen anyone sick and I haven't seen anyone dead. How about you? No, not in my part of the world. There it is. Um, but let's just come out of the gate covering a few of the things that I know Rose gets pinged about. Last time you were on was episode 148. It was a smash hit. People are apparently emailing Rose asking about whatever became of the default issue, if that's the right way to say it, with the Queen of England? Well, uh, that gets into some deep stuff. But in my opinion, my experience, uh, she went into default. And um, my life changed. My spiritual authority went way up. And um, I was given the ability to do things that I couldn't do before, put it that way. I don't know if you want to go further than that. All right. Well, let's just let's give the backstory for people who didn't get 148. Um, anyone familiar with the Empower movement? Um, some of the things deal with the idea of liability. Um, what we're referring to here, it's like it's like being in a situation, uh, a legal situation, where you think you know English, but you really don't. And some of the ideas that have come out of the people who have studied it is things like you can't respond in a negative way like a legal situation where you need to do this or you have to do this and you say no that's not working so the reverse liability idea is kind of like this and cal can correct me if i'm wrong um sure i'd be happy to take your inoculation if you can show that there's no metals in it that it won't damage my health and a list of things that need to be proven in other words taking the ownness off your person yourself and reversing it back over uh, to the other side. Did I get that about right, Cal? That's correct. Yeah, you want to conditionally accept. It's like an Aikido move where you take the energy of the attacker coming to you and you turn it and use it against the attacker. Like it's way of doing things. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Aikido, the way of harmony, one of my favorite martial arts, by the way. Um, always enjoyed the philosophies and how that actually works. Um, but to, to cut to the chase here, Cal implemented something like that, and the royal crown was put into default. Uh, my guess at the time was is that they just ignore it, um, because clearly people like that don't have to follow any rules like we do. But nonetheless, uh, a legal system either is or it is not. And so if you choose to ignore your own legal system, you know, you see what I'm getting at here. But what's it been like for you, Cal, during I don't know, what's it been? It's been over a week now since crazy came to town. Uh, what have you been seeing? Well, you know, just the people acting in fear mostly. But like my, my life didn't change. I have no fear of this whatsoever. I, as soon as I saw it coming, you know, out of out of Wuhan, I can see it now because I've just been up against this beast for so long. I know when the when they're playing a, a trick and um, it, it's just very obvious to me. So I had, you know, I was expecting all this and I didn't know how far it was going to go, but I did know that there was something up. Yeah. I mean, by the time you've gotten yourself into your adult higher mind and time has gone around, uh, these things are not mystical at all. They are yeah. evidently fraud on the face of them. You can smell it coming from a thousand miles away, but Jason, you want to get in on this? Well, I think the general consensus is that there's probably a flu because there's always a flu. As a matter of fact, every year there's tons of them and whatever they're doing, they're doing because they're trying to move their own programs forward. That's the stance we've been taking. And it's probably pretty close to the truth. What do you think, Cal? Yeah, this is a flu season, so it's easy to come up with a test that just says, oh, it's this and or it's that, you know, it, it, I've just seen this 
this um, modus operandi for years now, and, and it's, it's kind of pathetic when you can see it. Um, when you don't see it, it's very fearful. Just like the Wizard of Oz in that movie, the, you know, the image that was yelling and screaming and lightning coming off of it, it was very imposing until it wasn't. And um, once you saw the, you know, the curtain open up, then you realize, well, that's not even... So you can never go back to that reality, right? So it, it's kind of like that. You know, it's interesting. In some of the research I was doing recently, I just happened to catch a paragraph that said the word OZ, what we call Oz, uh, also known as an ounce, a weight of measure, in Hebrew means power. Maybe someone who speaks the language can correct me if that's not true. Uh, I read this out of a book. Good researcher, but it doesn't make it guaranteed until it's confirmed. My point being, um, if that is correct, the whole idea of Oz is really a good metaphor for what's going on here. Because the power that we see in The Wizard of Oz, it's pretend power, isn't it? It's perceived power. It is almost, you can almost lay it at the doorstep of fear. The only reason the wizard has anything is because there's an impression of him that is not real. And there's a lot of that going on, but let's get straight into it. So many people have been sending me emails concerned that somehow there's going to be, well, some people are saying the laws were passed 11 years ago or something like that, that somehow forced inoculation is on the way. Um, and I don't want to poo-poo that idea, but I'm of a mind that I'm the master of my own domain and my body being that domain, and I won't take an illegal order from anyone. But having said that, uh, I'm guessing that you have documents already made uh, that deal with the liability of these ideas. Can you just address these concerns for a minute? Because a lot of people are worried about it. Um, for me, it's much ado about nothing, but nonetheless, we should address it. Yeah, my gut feeling is they're going to try and get us to volunteer for the vaccines. And the, and the toilet paper thing was the dry run. And then, you know, then there's just been this, this uh, fear building so that people would run and get it. And, um, but as more time goes on, you know, people calm down, that's not going to work and they're going to have to move to force. But that said, that, you know, and as, as you said, bro, um, any, any law that, that is, has force in it coming from a, from a corporate government is just corporate policy and, uh, it has no validity. So, uh, it's a, it's an offer to always commercial in, in essence, so you can deal with it. So let me just reiterate here real quick um, what Cal was pointing out. We lost his mic there for a second. We think everything's cool. Um, the government's corporation, so what in fact is coming from that kind of an entity is an offer. And you might notice, by the way, if you don't believe these things are true, look at things like your insurance policy when they come. Now, these days, whenever I see it, it says, here's the offer, which is a bit ironic because they've created a situation where you're told you're breaking the law of your state if you're not insured. So then you start to think, well, how does it say this is an offer? I have to do this. Can you address that, Cal? It's again, going to the illusion. So in order to get people to do things, they've created this illusion that there is a so-called government and you can vote, which is, gives you your, the feeling of you have some say in it, but it's just, a, it's just corporate uh, agreements and if you go to Walmart, there's rules of Walmart inside that store, and you have to abide by those rules, or they will um, they will remove you or or refuse to do business with you. And um, so there are rules in there, but you don't have to go to Walmart. That's that's the the difference between a government corporation is they they have kind of a monopoly, and um, that's that's where the the illusion is so once you start to treat them as if they were walmart and go uh yeah i see your rules here but show me how i have to come to your to your store or buy from you what's forcing me to do that and they don't have it now you can see it they're starting to put it on their paperwork when they say offer they're trying to come clean on this can we get a breakdown again it doesn't have to be a huge lengthy one of the concept of an offer and acceptance and all that well, there's four main things in a uh, like a simplified contract has to have four main ingredients. And what the first thing is an offer. So somebody has to be offering uh, goods or services or something and they put that offer out and then there has to be an acceptance. Somebody has to go, I want that thing or that service or whatever it is you're doing. And then you come to a, an agreement which is the meeting of the minds. So, so you have offer, acceptance, meeting of the minds, which is 
full disclosure of what it is that I'm going to give you or do for you and how much it's going to be. And then the last thing is the actual payment and the, and the carrying out of the uh, whatever it is that, you know, if it's a service, then you have to actually do the thing. So those four main elements, and of course, contracts get way more complex than that, but they all have to have those four foundational uh, ingredients. So if someone entered into an agreement and took an offer somewhere and they're no longer happy with that, can you back out? of a contract like that? Or can you back out of the fact that you said, yes, I want this offer, but now that I look at it, I no longer want this offer? Depending on what the problem is. Now, if you had no full disclosure, like you told me this thing was red and, and, it, and it turns out it's yellow, you lied in your, in your contract in the, in the meeting of the minds part of it. So uh, I didn't get what, what I was expecting or what you portrayed it to be. So then in in law, the contract is null and void ab initio, which means from the beginning, it's it's considered a fraudulent um, contract. So the government is operating on a lot of deceptive contracts and one-way contracts, and they are very weak. Like, you can just back out of them. Is everything that comes from something like a government an offer? Is there ever an order that you have to follow, or does do most things basically rightly get defined as an offer everything's an offer coming from a corporate from a corporate entity it's it's a it's a corporation it's for it, a corporation by de- definition you can look all these things up it is a uh, business for profit it, that's what it is that that is the essence of it and so it, it has it operates in commerce and everything is commercial everything's about money so let's go back to the idea of the auto insurance where someone's sitting there at their kitchen table, the auto insurance offer comes these days. It actually, and that's a change in my lifetime. Your insurance did not used to say, here's the offer. I don't know whether they feel that strengthens it, but at any rate, everyone that I've seen in the last few years says, here's the offer. So in the mind of the person sitting at that kitchen table, it's not an offer because they're thinking in their head. I will be violating the laws of my state. Uh, The DMV won't issue me a license. All these things will happen if I don't accept these offers. But the truth of it is that each of these places is a corporation. So what's actually going on is they would decide to either do business with you or not. And it's kind of like the Walmart, right? Here's the rules we require to do business with you. So my question is, is if someone sat there at the kitchen table, knowing everything we know about auto insurance and what's in most people's minds, and you say, nope, I'm not taking this offer. Can, can you address that kind of attack? So that means probably the DMV is going to revoke your license, right? Well, the DMV is going to do whatever they do. Um, and, and it has to do with um, the person that you're dealing with in most cases and what, what their education level is. So what you generally have to do if you want to do something like that is you can, you're going to have to stick to it and go higher up the chain. Eventually, you will get somebody who knows exactly what's going on, and um, they will um, well they'll do whatever they're going to do. But you have a uh, more of a chance of them honoring what's true and right, and they'll try and save face in some way. But you'll get what you're looking for. Okay, that's a pretty powerful set of ideas there. From a historical standpoint, Cal, how would things have been different in the early colonial era and when they first started getting the country founded in, of course, the Constitution? And then when would things have possibly changed? And I think I know the answer, but uh, I'd like to hear it from you, what you think it is, to be the way it is now. Well, things changed actually actually around the same time as the, as the United States started. From my perspective, the big change was the law merchant, which was a jurisdiction, was fused with the common law. And um, the judges were told to take judicial notice of, of um, commercial disputes, etc., and to adjudicate them in that venue, in the, in, the, in the law merchant. Over time, it just kind of disappeared. It just kind of blended in and nobody talked about it anymore, but they started using it and they're using it today they're using law merchant because it is used with the with the common law i think what you're talking about jason is 1933 the erie railroad case where there was a definite they really moved into out of out of the common law and into some say equity but i say law merchant you know there's these weird things like everybody heard last week supposedly the president 
uh, the United States wanted to remove habeas corpus or suspend it or whatever the correct language there is. I was just reading about that a little while ago. Um, that's apparently attributed as a common law idea. As far as I can tell, everyone living still has a right to common law, do they not? I mean, if someone tried hard enough and they wanted to get back to that, could it be accomplished? Yes, because the common law is, uh, jurisdiction, jurisdictions are concentric circles and one is inside the other. In other words, Walmart is subject to a set of laws outside of Walmart. So you have to understand the, how the structure of jurisdictions is, and then you have to operate, well, you don't have to do anything, but if you want to get remedy, you, you need to operate in at least one jurisdiction above where the problem lies. So, because where the problem is, is subject to the, to the higher jurisdiction. So the common law is still in, um, in the United States, Canada, and, and all the Commonwealth countries, and even some others. And um, so it, it is still operating, but they have this statutory jurisdiction, which is the corporate jurisdiction that is running underneath it, and it is subject to it. So if they're suspending habeas corpus, that's in an extreme war type situation so if they're trying to suspend habeas corpus, that means there is a an extreme situation where you have to take prisoners and you can't let them out on using um, normal means of, of paperwork and just signing stuff and then you're out. Is it possible for a human being to get back to common law and be exempt from all this nonsense? Uh, are there human beings that you're aware of now in this world who basically live a life bound by common law? And as an example, if a summons came, it wouldn't apply to that person? Yeah, I'm one of those. Is it true that a summons is comparable to someone trying to raise the dead, like summoning a ghost kind of idea? Yeah, you can look at all those analogies. It's really a commercial instrument, and um, it goes back to law merchant and even the common law and admiralty. So a summons is you're bringing somebody to uh, some kind of tribunal because there's a dispute. In many of the cases, when you see a summons, there's actually no dispute that's discernible. It's simply a court or someone else making an issue uh, that you might not even be aware of when you get that summons. But if you were a person who had relieved yourself of the, I guess, lower echelon of uh, corporate ideas and laws, uh, a common law person would be above that. So I got to ask, um, do you have a license plate on your car? Or do you carry a license in your pocket? No, I don't have a bank account even. So what happens when you're driving down the road and a so-called peace officer, which I guess they kind of quit calling peace officers, peace officers, they look a lot more like paramilitary these days. When a police officer pulls you over and says, hey, dude, why is it that you don't have a license plate? Can I see your license that you should have in your wallet? What do you do under, under an issue, uh, you know, a circumstance like that? Well, I was pulled over a lot during my training period or however you want to describe that. The last time I was pulled over, and then they got just got to the point after the Queen default where my life just kind of changed. Like the, the police weren't part of my life anymore, and you can't put your finger on that. But the last time that I w I went through a um, roadblock, which was a, like a liquor roadblock, I went okay. Well, there's nothing I can do. I'm I'm funneled in, and um, the officer just asked where I had been, and I said downtown, and he said look at my glasses, and then he shone a light in my eyes, and he said have a good evening. It's like in the movie The Star Wars. These are not the droids you're looking for. So if I go back a little further, when you consider you were still kind of in training, uh, when a police officer pulled you over and said, why aren't there plates on your car? How did you respond to that? Well, I had, I had done some commercial moves and, and indemnified myself. And some officers understood it because they had done some study and some officers laughed at me and some officers were belligerent. Each one was a little bit different. What happened for uh, at least two years was I, I basically carried around $100 cash in my pocket, like all the time, and because the, the towing fee was $74 and whatever. So I had to have that much money on me at all times. So what would happen is the, the officer would pull me over. Why don't you have plates in your car? And then we'd get into a discussion, and then he'd, he said, well, I'm, I'm impounding your car. And I said, well, according to the act, I can, take, I can have this put to, in a in private property. Like, and my friend just lives across the street. No, you know, you can't. I said, yeah, I can. And then he'd go and talk on the, uh, on his radio in his car. And then he'd come back with his tail between his legs. Yeah, it looks like you can. I said, yeah, I know. So they'd call the tow truck. The tow truck would come. And as soon as my van was on the tow truck, 
the officer invariably left the scene. So then before the tow truck driver would get in his car, I'd say, here's your $72, put my band down. And he would do, because he, he doesn't care. And, uh, and then I would drive away. In the United States, last time I checked, and I actually did this once in San Diego, uh, if you walk out while they're hooking you up on a tow truck and demand the release of your vehicle, by law, they have to do it. I don't know if that's true everywhere, but I exercise that right in San Diego. But I understand where you're coming from. And basically, the truth of it is it kind of depends on who you have to interact with. Uh, I know in, in San Diego, a lot of the officers were getting used to people saying, I'm in a private conveyance traveling. There's plenty of videos online to say it. But let's get back to even a more foundational part of living in this crazy world, the bank account, that's got to be tough living a life without a bank account or am I wrong? Is it actually easier? Well, it's, it's inconvenient, uh, but, but not that bad. I just deal in cash all the time. So how do you pay a bill? Do you put cash in a bill? Like if you get electric bill, do you pay that in cash? Cause sometimes the bill says you can't send cash yeah, so it's never been a problem up until I changed my phone number and then the company I went with had no place to pay. But there's always a place where you can pay. And then we have here in Canada, I don't know if you have those, but we have like a Money Mart, which is a cash checking kind of place. Yeah, we have those. Yeah, so that that type of place, you can make bill payments there. So I would, I would go there and, and make some bill payments. And then I just had a problem with uh, the new phone is there was no place I could pay. You had to pay online and, and with a credit card. So I just went and got one of those pay-as-you-go credit card. You know, if you took 10 steps back, you know, as we were doing this, Jason just sent me uh, a news thing that I was aware of where they're pushing hard for di- the digital dollar, crypto dollar, uh, which will be the largest loss of freedom in the history of human beings if that comes very quickly. But my point would be the whole move that we see where everything's being forced online, in a way, that's another effort to undermine anyone's ability to get back to common law, isn't it? Well, yes and no. Um, everything that they do, ha- you can turn for good. So don't don't get too caught up that it's just a one-way street. You know, that same method could be used to uh, free us all as well. So it's kind of like, who is in control of it? Is it centralized? That's what you want to look for, not the, not the actual... Uh, thing in its in and of itself, and um, you know, technology is a good thing. But if somebody's in control over it, or somebody's spying with it, then that's that's where the problem is. So, in your estimation, if we woke up tomorrow and say ten thousand people decided they wanted to go down the road you've gone down, do you think that bolsters the situation of human beings at large in some way? Do you think that's a help to see more people taking control in the way that you have? Yes, but it's not a convenient life. So we're working at Empower to try and get people out um, that it's that it's still more convenient where you still your life doesn't change that much. Um, it's not easy. I had to do what I had to do because I was definitely up against this beast and and you know in court and in very interfacing in a very critical way. You know, I I got pepper sprayed. I was arrested. You know, all that like I was I was in battle with this thing. So I had to remove all ties because they were just looking for anything to to grab onto in order to get me into their corporate to their business and so i had to take drastic moves and and remove everything including an address and you know everything where you are in canada is the underlying form of law uh could it be equated with admiralty i know you said merchant but i think you know what i'm asking I do know what you're asking and yes and and i I really want to teach people the law merchant because they hit it and (laughs) That that should tell you a lot. So Admiralty is uh, more about shipping and you know the sea, uh, like moving cargo, but the actual transactions are, is in law merchant. That's where the contracts. That's where the uh, where the rub really is, and they they hid that. Is it true that the merchant side would be considered law of the land and the Admiralty law of the sea? Is that correct? That, I would say so. Yep. But how do those two intertwine, though? That's the thing that we should probably go through. Well. Going back to the Middle Ages, what happened was as people got into boats and as things got bigger, you had to trade with people outside of your so-called country. Well, there's there's an issue with that. Number one, you have to get the goods there. Number two, they have different laws, different money, different ways of doing things than, than what I'm used to. So how are we going to interact here? That's the law merchant. 
So the ad, the Admiralty is more about shipping and okay, I put these goods on this boat with this this crew, and I want to make sure that this is exactly what ends up over there in that other country, and I need to be assured of that. And if it's not, then who's responsible and who's paying mostly? It's all very confusing because where we are here, we can see that even our English language is heavily skewed to the ideas of commerce of the sea or laws of the sea. I don't think a lot of people understand. Like, I mean, I wonder if you walk into an average low-level court, do the people in that court even understand? What do you think? Um, well, where I am, I would say most of the judges knew and most of the lawyers didn't. And, but there were some lawyers that did. And some judges that didn't, but by and large, the judges seemed to be a little more educated about what I was talking about. And the lawyers were just going like, I didn't learn that at law school. I don't know what that is. We should probably tie this back to the current situation. And if the whole vaccination thing does come up, which is one of the big concerns I have, is this going to function in a sense of an offer and an acceptance or you can't work for the university or the hospital or whatever it happens to be if you do not take this vaccination, that sort of thing. Or you cannot go out in public if you don't take the vaccination. Yeah, and, and we have that situation here already. Um, nurses have to take flu shots, and et cetera, and there's a bunch that don't. And there are other corporations where you have to take a uh, flu shot in order to work there. So we're, we're, that was already in effect on the planet or whatever this is. And um, so the, the vaccine NOL is written in that, with that in mind. So you have a document prepared for people that find themselves in that position. But that does beg the question, if there is no really an order that can be given from a corporation and everything is an offer, is it possible using liability ideas to keep your employment? So say your employment says you can't work here unless you take this inoculation. You use the reversing ideas of liability that we've been talking about, that the documents you have drawn up do. Um, and it says, sure, I'd be happy to, but is that a stipulation that can keep you employed or do they still have the wherewithal to say see ya? Well, they have the wherewithal to say see you because it is a commercial agreement. So is all employment a commercial agreement? Let's start with that. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you Put it, uh, here's, here's a really good analogy. You waive your constitutional rights in order to go and work for somebody. Then why do HR departments always have these nightmarish scenarios they deal with all the time with people squawking about nonsense? Corporate policy. That's correct. So it's, it's, a, it's just a uh, clash of jurisdictions. If somebody's, well, depending on what their, their complaint is, but that's what, that's what it's all about. It's just corporate policy and which, what, what is the policy and, and um, what's the correct interpretation of the policy. You know, it's all a bit one-sided. If truly a human being has the divine spark and decides, I want to be free of this nonsense, these corporate ideas, um, it becomes very difficult to get gainful employment, to make money, to be able to exist. Are you of a mind that if you use the system, you're subject to the system? Or are you of a mind that the idea of the rights that I'm trying to express here are above? It's like a jurisdictional thing. The rights of a human being are above these kind of corporate ideas. Absolutely they are. And once you get to that, I'm a divine spark and you don't want to engage with, with something that you don't like, that divine spark will create a reality around you where you, you do sustain yourself. You have to understand the, the ramifications of that. There's, there's, there's more going on here. And like the birds don't, I think Jesus said, you know, the birds don't, toil like they, the, the food comes to them the apple just grows out of the ground with seeds in it the apple has seeds in it to make another tree of apples not just another apple it's an abundant universe i think what you just said is maybe one of the most important ideas we could lay down in any episode we did the problem is is as you tried to describe it you run into what i've tried it, it there's not english words to adequately describe it's it's almost like a righteous man will be provided a righteous road or a righteous woman. That's the closest I can come. In other words, that road doesn't exist or it's not obvious or you can't see it. But once you truly become on a path that the divine spark is important, that righteousness is important, what I'll call righteousness, people know what I'm getting at, then all of a sudden there's a road there, whether or not it was there before, whether or not you could see it there before, it's the same idea. A bird is starving, so he 
jumps out of a tree and lo and behold, there, there's a worm waiting for him on the ground. We could try to dissect why that's happened all day long. Truth is we can't really define that. But I think the idea you just expressed is the scary part because it's almost like a leap of faith, isn't it? I have this job. Now I have this money in my pocket. If I let go of all this, I'm taking a leap of faith that I'll be able to sustain myself after I let go of these things. This is also the concept that nature is a self-sustaining system and the dead corporate entity is not. It always has to get more and more and more to keep it going. Yeah, it's the basically that that thing is uh, it's pirated and it's hijacked the, the, the natural system and said, you need to you need to go to work in order to eat this apple. They interloped. They got in between that. The apple was just growing on the tree in and of itself. And yeah, you got to tend it and you got to you know, water it or fertilize it or whatever, but, you know, prune the tree. So there's, there's some effort there, but, but, but the idea that you have to go and, and toil in order to get pieces of paper to go and and then get the apple is that's, that's where the problem lies fundamentally. You know, I've done all this research going back to what people used to get in a classic education, understanding the roots of so many things because I did it. The description of the initial fall of man, uh, it's described as the Saturnus king taught people civilization and how to do horticulture and things like this. That's described as the first fall of man. I don't know if you agree with me, but as I thought about these ideas, it's almost like there's been another fall. I don't know whether it's the second, third, fifth, or hundredth, but in recent eras, it's almost like corporation represents the current situation where men and women have fallen far i mean what do you think absolutely and this goes back to law merchant because the law merchant in and of itself is very balanced among the merchant class they all understood how it worked and it, and it, and it had it was self-correcting it was very dynamic and moved very quickly and you could get to the bottom of a dispute and settle it very very quickly what they did is because a lot of people like that instead of going into the common law courts and spending months and proving this and proving that and um you know just a lot of blah we as my dad would say people like that that fast court system better so they fused it in and then they stopped talking about it but then they used it against us but didn't tell us we were merchants they turned us into merchants through the birth certificate and through your ssn number or sin number in canada so that's your merchant number and you can't do anything without that number that's how you pay tax that's your tax number that's your that's the number that the bank knows that like we are, they turned us into merchants so that they could use merchant law against us. And so we're, we're caught in this corporate merchant world. And yet there's another world outside of that that is still functioning. And you have to kind of see it for what it is and then get out there. It's like the Wizard of Oz. You can keep going, running up and down the yellow brick road. That's a metaphor. Doing these tasks. And like that would never would have ended if the curtain hadn't gone back. The wizard would have kept them going up and down that yellow brick. Okay, now you got to go do this. Now you got to do that. Now you got to, and it would never end it. They would never got to the promised land. Not only that, some of the tasks that were given were life-threatening. That is a good example. But um, let's point out, see, to me, it's even some aspects of it are worse than that. Like when you're pointing out, I could be in a so-called courtroom and the lawyer next to me doesn't know a damn thing about what's going on here. In some cases, the judge didn't. Very few people understand that the idea of a lawyer, an esquire, is actually one step below a knight is the way it's defined. Um, but I've talked to a lot of lawyers who don't, who will vociferously deny that the idea of admiralty law has anything to do in our world. And that further complicates the problem. Here are these professionals that are supposedly versed in law who have no freaking clue about any of the things we're talking about. And that kind of even makes it tougher. Um, but at the, at the root of it, I came to understand that's a, a childish way to look at it because you have the divine spark. It is on you. It is your responsibility to understand what is and what isn't. And the idea of even going to get a lawyer is just about like saying, I'm so helpless I can't possibly do anything but pick up a phone and get this dude who's one step below a knight to help me out here. What do you think? That's that's correct. And with all due respect, a lawyer is a lawyer because he went to a thing called law school. And they gave him a bunch of information and they said, okay, write a test and regurgitate this information. 
And if you can do that at a certain degree, then you have a law degree, which allows you to be a, a lawyer and join the law society. But going back to the law school, the law school is owned by somebody and the information is controlled by that same owner. And therefore, anybody coming out of that institution has a limited set of knowledge and they wouldn't know that there is any more knowledge because they would think this is all the knowledge I need to be a lawyer. And if there was other knowledge, they're, they're not aware of it. That's the problem. That is the problem. And there are so many levels of exactly what we're talking about, where every year that's gone by that we've gone further into these corporate kind of systems, things like this have become further away. We see it in medicine all the time now. When's the last time you ever really actually looked at a doctor and thought truthfully he's practicing when in fact the HR department of that hospital is telling that dude, you will do this or we're going to get sued or our, our insurance only allows you to do this or here's the drugs that we're handing out. And it's not really optional, doctor, because if you want to work here, here's our policy. And so the idea that a human being can further I guess what I would call an art under different or their craft under different circumstances is really not because now even that is bound by, by the corporate policy or whatever you want to say. Um, but, but it never, it never ceases to amaze me that the control of information is the whole game. Can you imagine if a child in grade school was informed about corporations, about the idea of admiralty law, given primer, about all these different systems that bind us because we don't know any better, because we opt into them. That would be the ruin of everything because pretty soon a brilliant person or a, a, a curious person would take it a little further and everyone around would see what they did, kind of like what you're doing. And pretty soon, um, common sense would try to creep back into this world that is completely bereft of common sense. But right now, as this whole fear covers the world that you might get the common cold and die, there are rumors that the United States is no longer even faking like it's a republic, that it's some form of national socialism or something. I don't even know what to call it, but the idea here is, is that while all this fear and panic had everyone's attention, um, somehow the government, the corporation called the government, bought debt in almost every industry that mattered, which I think is called a default swap or something like this. It's not really my forte, but you see what I'm getting at here. It's almost like these systems that very few people are aware of every year. They constantly try to make the maze more difficult so that if someone wanted to get back to sanity, they've got to work harder and harder and harder. Yes, in a sense, but still look at the, the wizard of Oz analogy and then you just simply open the curtain and it's gone. To a degree, uh, yeah, the, the, the magic, you're, you're right. It's no longer a magic trick because you understand how the trick is being done. But uh, to be honest, it has not relieved you of all the effects. You just now know it's a sham. But that person who just saw that there's in fact a man behind the curtain faking like he's powerful when he's really not is still, when you walk out of that room, you've got an ATM card in your pocket. You've got a license in your pocket. You've got a summons on your table when you get home, you've got an offer for auto insurance, all these things. Um, you see, I, I, I see what you're getting at, but those things still have to be dealt with. You just understand how the trick was done now. Yeah. And you can deal with them because it's, uh, because there is the meeting of the minds and, um, in a contract. So these contracts go way up to like off planet or into spiritual realms, whatever, whatever, however you want to describe that. There's agreements, and the Bible calls them covenants, which is, is a contract. So there are higher contracts, and you can stand on those as well. So this, this doesn't, isn't fixed to you know, the United States of America or the state of Montana or Canada or British Columbia. It's, it's, um, there's much more going on. There are higher jurisdictions. You just got to become aware of them and operate in them. And even in the Wizard of Oz, once they once the man came out of the thing, then the scarecrow had his whatever it was. The Tin Man had what, and and Dorothy got to go back to Kansas. But all that happened as well once the illusion was gone. So I mean, I think what you're implying is that in these corporate systems and these corporatized courts, 
they recognize that there's a higher entity. And for the sake of this conversation, I guess we'd have to call that God, wouldn't we? Yeah. And And so what you're pointing out is that every judge, no matter how high a court he sits in, could be the highest court of this land. The Supreme Court understands that there is a much higher court that he cannot contend with. That's correct. There are higher jurisdictions and they will, they will, you know, yell and scream and make it try and intimidate you back down. Just like the wizard of Oz did when the first curtain, when the first, when the curtain first opened, he said, pay no attention to that man. And you could have believed that, or you went, no, no, I think I'm going to look further here and I'm going to, I'm going to, I think there's something behind that curtain. So it's kind of like that. And, um, they are subject to higher laws and there is more going on here. You know, from my perspective, because I have a, I'll put it this way, we all have a cognitive bias. And so we, we view the world from that bias. And ho- however that bias got there, it doesn't matter. But you have to become, number one, aware of it and then aware that that's how you see the world. And maybe that your bias is incorrect or somebody planted that bias there. And um, so you, you, in order to critically think, you have to kind of self-analyze and and be willing to be wrong on on something or incorrect is better and and try and make all the pieces fit into a into a puzzle because there's a bunch of puzzle pieces and regardless of what the box the picture on the box says if it if if there's some pieces that don't seem to fit with that picture you need to just go and put the pieces together and see what the picture is in and of itself well what you're describing is If the highest judge in the highest court of any given land truly understands beyond the reasonable shadow of doubt that there is a higher court, the divine spark in every human being represents the reason or the cause or the source, maybe is a better word, Um, a lot of people would call that God, then everything we see around right now, all this fear, it's perversion. These people are backing a perversion. How do you get out from under that? There's got to be a cost for pushing perversion at the extent that we see it pushed now. If in fact, you know that there is a divinity above all things, that somehow this place got here and no matter what corporation you come up with, you ain't going to be above whatever created this place. See what I'm getting at? Yeah. Okay. So, so here's my bias is there's a, there's some writings ancient writings or whatever the perceived ancient writings because i've only been here 61 years apparently and the book of enoch in the very first sentence i'll I'll just read it the words of the blessing of enoch wherewith he blessed the elect and the righteous who will be living in the day of tribulation does that sound like now maybe yeah when all the wicked and godless are to be removed that is my bias so i'm looking for the day when that element that is creating the deception and the and the control they will be removed and i think we're in that time so this is my bias right so i'm in all the pieces that i'm seeing in the world fit this bias or so far they're they're not contradictory to it i truly appreciate that that you refer to it as a bias um but i would point out i've said for a long time this place is like a living thing this world Everything Mm -hmm. is part of it. Everything, you you don't go out and kill an animal because that animal doesn't belong. Well, I got news for you. That animal does belong. And the proof of it is, is because it's here. And so when you begin to know these things, the problem that I see with all this perversion is it could take generations. I I often think this is a bit like a, a, an actual virus, a real virus, the description of a virus, a sickness is among us. And it's causing this perversion at some point. You got to imagine that this perfect creation that I'll just call nature is going to wash it off, you know? Um, Correct. But the the real problem is, is that could be three generations from now um, for all we know. Well, all the signs, if you knew what I knew about 5G, for instance, we don't have that long. And I don't want to create more fear. It's just, it's just a fact. Let's do a little bit on that and then save that for hour two, because that's something we've delved into quite a lot here, actually. And a perversion against the natural world, which we can prove all day long. Okay, I'm going to give you one more chance. Cal, we try to wrap up at about 55 minutes so we can run the first hour as many places. Is there anything else you think is critically important to get in before I wrap up hour one? Well, 
I'll just read a couple other of my bias. So I love that you call it that. Well, it, it softens it. <laughs> well, it also so, puts it in context that if you find does. out something new, you're walking away. And that's, in my view, that's the highest a human being can be. Is I'd, I'd love this thing. I know this thing. I think it's correct. But let me tell you something. If I find a problem, I'm out. I'm out. I'll drop it in a, in a heartbeat. I will, I will go. I, I will try and be as objective as I can because that's the only way you're going to find the truth. Right. And because um, your bias will color everything. And, and Trump is a perfect example of it. If you go on Facebook, I have a lot of Facebook friends that aren't really my friends. Right. So now I'm getting a wider cross section, not a perfect one, but. There's a lot of people that I don't really know that are my friends on Facebook and and some of the some of the hatred that's going back and forth over Trump is just astounding. Stag- yeah, it's it's staggering. I'm just like what is going on here, right? So, but anyway, this is this is something that Yeshua said, apparently said, for false Christ and false prophets shall rise and show signs and wonders to, to seduce if it were possible even the elect. Many shall come in my ma- name saying, I am Christ. And shall deceive many, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So I'll point out a thing to all the comments I can already imagine coming. (laughs) If you've paid attention to what we've done here, we can demonstrate that the Old Testament can be tied factually to certain forms of law, as can the New Testament, as can so much of it, to even corporate policies and other things that have done nothing more than pervert the ideas of living men and women. Um, Because in my view, what's going on in the world now, it's a perversion. When you introduce things that you're saying is progress, and yet the very nature of those things is offensive to nature, that is a a perversion. But Jason, um, I'm going to wrap up our one of 206. Anything you want to get in? So I definitely want to hit on to the 5G and all that. That's a really big thing. And I'm sure Cal has done his own diligent research. And I'd also like to get into if there's an offer and an acceptance with 5G that we can use to fight back against it. All right, Cal, we're going to have to push these ideas into hour two. There's going to be so much that we're going to cover in hour two. Uh, Also, I've uh, tried to ensure that Cal will be logged in when this goes live. I know people are going to have questions, and we're going to try to link to as many of the documents as we can. Uh, The ideas about reversing liability, um, how to turn down offers, how to deal with, let's face it, so many things about inoculation, so many things about smart meters, so many things about 5G. People are worried about a lot of things. And I think a level-headed understanding that comes to bear around these ideas will calm the waters. And when the waters calm, you can always get a lot more done. Cal, before we cut here, can you, I know you're a busy man and I know it because I couldn't find your email address and I had to use the website. Do you have a contact that you can put out for general public? Oh boy. Uh, do you just want to use the, do you just want to use the empower movement website? Yeah. I don't want to overwhelm them either, but, um, well, people need to know our website so that they can, yeah. Empowermovement.com. All right. So the problem that Cal has is the problem that I have overwhelmed by contacts, emails, messages, just so much. There's not enough time in a day to keep up. So Cal's main form of contact online is the in power movement i-n-p-o-w-e-r movement.com so that is the contact information for cal washington anyhow that's hour one of episode 206 join us over at crow triple seven radio.com we're going to cover all these things and if you remember there's also a huge forum where everything gets talked about because it's on a private server and is not subject to the corporate censorship of something like youtube or Facebook. Uh, the only true Crow Triple Seven site is CRROW 777radio.com. There are fraud sites out there. You probably don't want to hit them. We hope to see you all over at Crow Triple Seven Radio.com where we're going to exercise free speech and we're going to get in some things that wouldn't fly on YouTube. Guarantee it. There it is, man. Cheers.
enemies of knowing. Come.